Hey, welcome to another episode of Dream Chasers Podcast. Today's guest is um, Basil Smotherman, coach of mine, a big supporter. Um, definitely, I think, one of the better coaches in Indiana uh, basketball state history. Been around the game a long time. Coach, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Harvey. Hey, man. So uh, let's get right into it. Where are you from, Coach? Uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood, uh, sports that you played. Um, you know, give us some background on Basil Smotherman. Well, Harvey, originally I'm from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. That's where I grew up at. And occasionally I still get back there and visit because I have a lot of family there. Um, I grew up in a pretty large family. And uh, actually it's nine of us. I've got five sisters and, and three brothers. And so in Nashville was where I grew up at and, and, and got introduced to sports. I was always around sports. And uh, so, yeah, just that's, that's home. But, you know, it's, it's home away from home now, as I call it. Right. Because um, I've, I've been here in Indiana longer than I was, obviously, in, in Nashville. So, but yeah, it's home away from home. Okay. Okay. What, what brought you to Indiana? Well, interestingly enough, uh, when I went to college, um, I had a I had a great friend, um, Mike Jackson, who um, mm. this is this is a long time ago. Mike played at the University of Tennessee, <laughs> and Mike was uh, was was on the team with Ernie Grunfeld and uh, Bernard King. Right. So uh, Mike's mother actually worked at my university as one of the placement directors. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you become a senior back then, you know, you'd have to register with the placement department, you right. know, just to looking at future jobs and that kind of a thing. So she invited me over one evening because it was in the springtime and she said, hey, would you like to interview with a school system from Indiana, which was Fort Wayne Community Schools? Wow. So I'm in my dorm room having nothing to do. So I said, sure. So I went over and introduced myself to the recruiters. And then long story short, I ended up going to Fort Wayne, Indiana in 1978. Wow. That's where it started. All yeah. in Fort Wayne, huh? Yeah. And it's funny because you said Mike Jackson. I thought you were gonna say the Mike. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought you, I was going. I thought Annie, I thought you was gonna whip out some Annie. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, uh, how'd you get to Indianapolis? I know, um, you know, when I got here, uh, I was I was over. I, I went over to North Central High School um, after being at St. Patrick's High School in New Jersey for two years. Uh, met you and Doug Mitchell. How'd you end up? Uh, at North Central High School? Well, again, it kind of goes back to my days at Tennessee State. Um, at that time, when I moved here, um, a young lady that I was dating was a part of the women's track team. Right. So we sort of moved to Fort Wayne together, and she was an educator herself, uh, like, like, like myself. Okay. And so we were always interested in sports, and we always were supporting kids. And, right. uh so she was really interested in going to seeing the uh, Indiana High School uh, state track meet. Right. And at that time, Harvey, in, in 1979, in the spring of 79, mm -hmm. the state tournament or the state track meet was held at North Central High School. Wow. This was before they built the stadium at IUPUI. Right. So that's when uh, they were still running the state championship at, at North Central. So when we went on to the campus, I was like, I was totally blown away at the size of the school and the facilities and the resources. So we went down to North Central. Mm -hmm. And then upon leaving after the track meet, you know, I was like, man, this will probably be a great place to work at. Right. 
So from there, it was in the back of my mind that I knew about that high school. Mm -hmm. So as time went on, and I spent about 10 years in, in, um, in Fort Wayne before I actually came to Indianapolis. Okay. Okay. So as I said, some time it went by, and then it was around the spring of 1987, mm -hmm. um, I had applied for some jobs mm -hmm. in Indianapolis because coming from Nashville, Nashville was a little bit bigger city right. than Fort Wayne was, and I wanted to be a little bit closer to home. Right. And plus, I had known uh, people that I had gone to school with right. at Tennessee State that had lived in Indianapolis. Right. For sure. So therefore, being in Indianapolis would be a little bit closer to home, and plus, it was a more metropolitan city, okay. which I was accustomed to growing up in. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like you know being in Indianapolis would be a great place to live. So. I applied for some jobs, and then that first time I applied, um, it didn't really work out, and it didn't work out until the next year, which was in 1988. Okay. So in the fall of 1988, I got an interview at North Central, ultimately got the job, okay. and started teaching at North Central High School in 1988. Wow. Wow. So let's back this up. Um, let's talk about your sports uh, background, okay. um, what sports you played coming up. Um, I know you were a big basketball player. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what it, what was your experience like? Um, what was it like with your parents um, intervening with sports? Um, you know, and just and a little bit about that journey. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, again, I started out playing sports just like any kid was. Right. We we were, we were doing, we were riding bikes. Right. We were playing all kinds of sports. We would play in the parks, and and at that time it was really fun because growing up for me. In Nashville, they had a great park system. For sure. Where in every park you had a uh, uh, you had a gymnasium, you had a swimming pool, you had tennis courts, and mm -hmm. and pretty much in the summertime you could do whatever sports you wanted to because they had the programs that allowed you to do it. And then at the same time, growing up in my neighborhood where I lived at was Tennessee State University. Okay. I could, as I say, I could throw a rock from my house to the campus. Okay. And so I had that exposure of being able to go on campus and get exposed to athletics and that kind of a thing. But going back to the sports that I played, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, when I started out, I played baseball. Oh, wow. And I was a catcher. And, um, and I played a little bit of third base okay. because, again, you had those programs in the park system that allowed right. kids to get introduced to, the different to those sports. different sports. Right, for sure. And then, of course, there was basketball because we played basketball every day if we could right and um we even put up a goal my brother and i we put up a goal in our backyard we just got some plywood and had believe it or not we put up a bicycle rim as our first rim <laughs> until we could get a real rim and um and we had a fence around it yard. i have to tell the story right. and i was um and, and going back to my parents too i'm, I'm, I'm kind of interjecting a lot of stuff in here but my parents, my mom died the day I was born. So oh, I, I never knew my mom. I only knew my grandmother. Okay. And my and my grandmother adopted myself and my brother and my sister right. because my father remarried. And so my father was really not involved as much as I would say my, my grandmother was. Right. So I had connection with my dad, but it wasn't like he was, you know, really involved in sports and, right. and the whole thing. But anyhow... My brother and I put up this goal, and man, we on Saturday mornings, man, we'd have games out there in the backyard, and right. and my mom had a fence around our yard, but the guys, when they came to play, they wouldn't go through the gate. 
they jumped over the fence and then they started putting the fence down and my grandmother got tired of that. So she just, one day she ran everybody off and took the goal down. <laughs> so that was the end of that. Right. But anyhow, I started playing basketball in the, in, 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 in the parks. Right. And from there, it just went from, you know, playing and playing and playing. And then when I got to high school, obviously I played. And, and this is an interesting story. I did not play basketball in junior high. Really? I did not play. I didn't start playing basketball until I got to high school. Wow. Yeah. I'd have never known that. Yeah. I'd have never known that. But so, I, was, uh, I, was, I was one of those guys that you've heard the term late bloomers. Right. I was always athletic, and, and, and I could run, I could jump, and, um, and I could play. I mean, like I said, I played sports. I played um, a little bit of football, not right. a lot. Right. Uh, until when I got to high school, I just primarily did uh, track. I, I was a high jumper, mm -hmm. and uh, I had done a little bit of track in junior high. Okay but I didn't play basketball, but I always played basketball. Right. Like yeah. for fun. Right. 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 So what are you, what are your thoughts on, uh, on kids nowadays? A lot of times, uh, and I spoke to a parent today, they said that really kids have to narrow down to one sport. They're like, you know, you almost have to key in on certain sports in certain areas. I'm not saying everywhere, but it seems like, you know, um, more or less, a lot of a lot of uh, different school systems are rolling with the kids that they know over you know here's uh, Basil Smotherman that didn't play at all um, you know Harvey Harrington has a team and they've been together for years uh, we get up to high school and they're looking at us you know with smiles on our face and then you have a strike against you what are your thoughts on that well I think that I, I think every case is a little bit different right I think that every kid is a little bit different every family situation is a little bit different and this is just from the experiences that I've had through the years with coaching and even coaching my own kids. Right. Um, I think that if a kid is talented enough, if they have the ability and they're able to manage multiple sports or dual sports. Mm -hmm. And I can remember when I was back in school, it wasn't uncommon for kids to play two and three sports. Right. It just was, un I mean, it, nobody even thought about a kid just, only playing one sport, right. you know. Right. But now I think everything has sort of changed. I think the, I think the landscape has changed in terms of how kids are looking at sports and how parents are looking at sports and how society looks at sports. Right, right, for sure. You know, so I think that it, it depends on a kid. If a kid is able to, to, to do that, and I always ask kids, you know, are you having fun? Right. I think that was one of the things when we had camps. When I was coaching in high school, we'd have our younger kids in. Right. I even asked kids at your camp last right. year when I worked, I said, hey, why did you guys start playing this sport? And they'll think it's a trick question. Right. For sure. and, I, and, I'm, and I'm like, why did you start playing? And they'll say, oh, well, da-da-da-da-da. And mm -hmm. I'll say, well, you were probably having fun. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I said, yeah, that's why everybody starts playing. Right. Because you're having fun. But unfortunately, as you know, and I know, as you go up that ladder, then it becomes more of a more of a responsibility, and then it could become more of a, a of a job for some people. Right, and yeah. that changes everything too. Right, but I would say as a as a former coach, as a parent, you have to assess that as a parent with your with your kid. Mm -hmm. You have to be realistic about your kid's abilities. Right. right, and then if the kid wants to do a dual or multiple sports then I think you have to, you know, let them weigh in on that too. Right, for sure. 
but I think now, like I said, is everybody has sort of gone to this, um, uh, they've kind of personalized sports in a sense, like you say, you know, they're only doing one thing. I'm, I'm only going to play basketball. I'm only going to play football. I think in some ways that can cheat a kid because they can, they can miss out on some other experiences right. that might allow them to, to, to help build their character right. and expose them to new things and to new situations. But at the same time, I'm not going to disparage anybody if they say, you know what, he, he's only going to do this because he only has time to do this. Right. And, um, and then you have to throw in the, the academic component too, right. because if they're not able to handle that part, then the, 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 the sports part of it is not going to matter. For sure. You know. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So when I met you um, at North Central High School, uh, you were there with head coach Doug Mitchell. Okay, when I left New Jersey, I uh, left under the tutelage of uh, Kevin Boyle. Kevin Boyle was pretty nuts, <laughs> and I love and I love Coach Boyle. All right, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to get him on a podcast here soon, and I'm going to say the same thing. Right. Uh, what was it like? Now I know right before I got there, you guys won a state championship right. in '99. Um, I want you to elaborate a little bit about your state championship. What was it like uh, coaching that team and coaching um, uh, Jason Gardner, who was, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Basketball. He was Mr. Everything. Uh, and then I want you to tell me a little bit about what was it like being with Doug, with Doug Mitchell. Um, my experience, Doug challenged you, and he said what right. he had to say, right. and you had to deal with it. And, right. and that was okay for me um, to this day, looking at anything that I've ever been through, uh, you guys really made me understand that you know when stuff gets gets bad for you you don't fall you got to mm -hmm. go you got to go towards the fire right. you don't run away from it so right. that was one of the things I took from it other people may have took it more personal I don't know but my mm -hmm. personal experience was that uh this made me stronger as a man mm -hmm. uh it made me stronger as a person my mindset is stronger than the average individual just because of playing a sport in which I'm grateful for but uh you know let's get back into it Go ahead and tell me about what was it like with that 99 state championship team? Well, that, that team was really special, Harvey, because, you know, again, we had, we had kids on that team that were primarily basketball players. We, right. had, we had a couple of kids that were football players. Right. Um, you know, you look at Jason Gardner, he, at that time, he was just primarily doing basketball. For sure. But but Jason was so talented he could have played baseball. Multiple I think sports. he would have been a heck of a baseball player. Yeah, sure. and I think he definitely would have been a great uh, defensive back in football. Right, I right. mean, he just had that 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 skill level about him and the intelligence. Right. Uh, but that team kind of started out with you know we had a program with our eighth graders, our incoming eighth graders. Okay. And I'm not just tooting my own horn here, but I was kind of starting that. That, that program when, when Coach Mitchell came in in 1993. Right. So when I got that group of kids, those seniors that were in, that we had in, in 1999, which at that time was, was which, which was unthinkable, Harvey, we right. had uh, nine seniors on a team. Right. Who does that? Nah. You know, <laughs> you, you can almost, you know, you can hear the, the train wreck happening when you have that many seniors on a team. Right. Because somebody's obviously not going to be happy about playing time. For sure. But at the same time, those guys have been around each other. We had a great leader in Jason Gardner. Right. And Jason wasn't really vocal. Mm -hmm. He was when he needed to be. Right. I kind of I referred to Jason sometimes as like it was an old commercial that came on. It was E.F. Hutton, and they would always say, 
when he had Putney said something, everybody stopped and listened. Right, right. And that's kind of the way Jason was. It wasn't like he was really vocal and animated all the time. But when he said something, you listen. You listen. Sure. And he was that kind of a leader. And he led by example. And uh, so that team kind of started out in 1995. Uh, that spring, prior to their freshman year, we had all of those kids together. Right. And we had a great summer, and they came in. And what was re really interesting about that group was they were talking about winning a state championship at North Central, wow. which would have been the first one. Right. And other teams have been close in the past, but this these guys were talking about it. Right. And I can never forget we had a uh, superintendent, Dr. White, and I always told him, I said, man, I said, these guys, man, they're talking about winning. Right. And it was so much fun for me because I was, you know, I was, I was excited of just coaching, right. you know, right. and so I enjoyed do. putting that time in. Right. And I enjoyed working with those guys. And even to this day, I still have relationships with them just like yourself. Right, for sure. And uh, so that team, man, was special in that they weren't, the most talented team. Right. Our biggest guy, Harvey, was six five. Yeah, I remember you told me they were, they were six not that five. Big. Right. And but I tell you what, they could defend. They were a, they were a really good two way team. They defended, and they knew how to take care of the ball. Right. And they knew who to get the ball to <laughs> right. when they needed to. Right. And and they took that, and everybody accepted their roles. And I think you know, that's kind of what's missing sometimes today. You know, you hear about certain teams and certain players that can't coexist because they, right, right. they think that somebody's getting something that they shouldn't be getting. And I think that's what's really hard sometimes is that, that acceptance of you got to be who you are. Right. You know, and if you're who you are and you can accept that, then I think the team is going to be a lot better. But when people are, when there's a lot of friction and a lot of going back and then you have, you put in the parental element and, right. and, and, you know, it's like Coach Mitchell used to say, you asked me, how was that like with Coach Mitchell? Coach Mitchell was probably one of the honest guys that I worked with. Right. Because he, he told it to you the way that it was. And human nature gets in there, Harvey, because a lot of people would take it personal. Right. right. But he wasn't, he wasn't saying it to be personal. He wasn't saying it to disparage anybody. He was just saying, you know what, maybe somebody's better than you. Right. Him to yeah, even his own son, and I can I'll never forget this saying. I always use that. He said, if you're not playing and you don't like it, then get better. <laughs> do something about it. Yeah, do something about it. Yeah. yeah. Do something about it, man. Yeah, definitely. So you touched on it a little bit. Uh always a uh, a big topic on my show is about parents. Um throughout the years. And you coached for how many years? I coached for 19 years at North Central. 19 years. Yeah. Okay. And then I coached with you at Heritage Christian. Right. Two what, years at Heritage. What was it like? Uh, and, I mean, you can go into it. You can give me stories. Whatever you whatever you think. Like, obviously, I've, I've been in that office with you, and I, and I know kind of what it's like and, what, mm -hmm. and how parents operate and how they tick. Um, tell us a little bit about – touch on – parents and, and, and their kids and give the audience um, some type of advice, you know, if they have kids that are coming mm -hmm. up and your kid's going to be involved with a North Central team and they're going to be one of the nine seniors right. on, you know, what are, what are some good practices or what's some good ways to prepare your child? I would say some best practices for kids and parents. And, and I always say this, and I've said it to you before, I think one of the hardest things 
for parents to do is to watch their kid be coached by someone other than them if they right. even wanted to coach their kid. Right. Or just watching your kid be coached. Right. And sometimes you can you can you know you can be in a situation where the coach is gonna be maybe a little bit more demonstrative. Right. He's gonna be or she's gonna be a little bit more animated right. and she's gonna be a little bit more matter of fact. Right. And sometimes, Harvey, that's hard for kids to take if right. they've never been exposed to that. And I think one of the hardest things for kids to do is to accept a role on a team. And I think it's even harder for sometimes parents of accepting that kid's role. And like I was saying earlier, right. one of the hardest things I think is for a parent is to watch their kid get coached. Right. And like I would say, sometimes it's even harder to get watch your kid get coached if it's not that parent. Right. Because now you're working with a coach where he or she is a little bit more demonstrative. Right. They're a little bit more animated. Right. They're a little bit more matter of fact. Right. They're going to be very honest with your kid. And I, and I can never forget being in a, in a, in a team meeting with, with the legendary, and I will say legendary Jack Keeper right. and Lawrence North. And he said something that was so right on point, spot on. Mm -hmm. He said that when your kid is not playing, mm -hmm. he said, I don't need to have a conversation with you as a parent. Right. Because you're not playing. Right. The kid needs to come to me and have a conversation. Right. You and I don't need to have a conversation. Right. And what's so interesting about that, 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 that quote, Harvey, is that, and you as a former player, know this when you go to practice and you have 10 kids in practice or maybe it's 20 kids you know you got your varsity and your jv all in there the kids knew how the kids know who can play right definitely it's not a big secret anymore it's not rocket science right you know and it's kind of like uh, i listened to one of your previous podcasts from bonzi wells and he said something that just really stuck with me he said if you're not working out and you go play against a high level kid and you haven't been working out you're getting ready to get exposed. Right. And that is so true. So I think that for parents, I think you, again, you have to be realistic about your kids' abilities. Right. And, and, and as a parent, you have to be able to look and assess things realistically. Right. Because at the end of the day, I've never met a coach, male or female, that did not want to put her best girls out on the floor. Right. It's just as simple as the day is long. Right. And at any level, You'll find this. I, I saw something the other day where it talked about the better kids will probably play more minutes. Right, for sure. And the kid that has the more skill of making shots will probably have the ball in his hands more than the other kids. For sure, right. And that transcends across all levels. Right. So I think that for parents, I would just say that, you know, as a parent myself, it was it was – I'm not going to sit here and say it was easy. My son had a great opportunity. I coached him. Right. Uh, he played at the high school level, and he was an Indiana All-Star. And uh, I think at that time, he put in a lot of time, and so he was he was getting his rewards, and he was lucky enough to play at a high level, at Division One level. And at the same time, when issues arose, particularly if it was around playing time, right. even in high school, he knew that I was not coming in and having a conversation about right. playing time. Right. He knew that I wasn't coming in and watching practices. Right. The only time that I saw my son practice 
was when I coached him. Right. And I was in high school. Right. I did not go to practices when he went to Lawrence North. I certainly didn't go to practices unless there was an invitation for a workout when it was college because I did know coach college coaches. I right. mean, I was a high school coach. Right. You know, so, but at the same time, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I didn't want to put him in a position where he felt like, well, if things don't work out, all my dad has to do is pick up the phone and make a phone call. Right. No, it don't work like that. That's not how it works. Right. What was that like coaching your son? Uh, what was it like dealing with other parents as it, with you being the acting head coach? Well, it helped that my son was a good player. Right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that just, always helps. Let's, let's start there. Okay. Right. So it helped that he was a good player. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, realistically, there was a gentleman, and you know who this guy is when I call his name. Mm -hmm. His name is Chuck Richmond. Mm -hmm. Chuck recently passed away uh, back in 2017. Yeah, great guy. Great yeah, guy. And great Chuck guy. was, was kind of like a mentor to me because he was so wise in his years. Right. And when I was coaching my son, he would always sometimes, you know, he would just give me little bits and little nuggets, right. I would say. Right. And, and sometimes you have to chew up the meat and spit out the bone, you right. know. And right. so he would say, hey, Basil, do not overcoach him. Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, Chuck, what do you mean? He said, don't overcoach him. He said, he's one of your players. Right. And he said, you got to be careful that you don't overcoach him. Right. And that went along with discipline too. Mm -hmm. He said, do not over-discipline him. Right. Because as you know, our kids know how to push our buttons. Right. But when you are coaching your kid, it puts you as a coach and as a parent sort of in a little awkward position because now you have to separate. Right. And you're constantly separating. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like I say code switching. You know, it's like when I go to certain places, you know, I know people and I know how I have to carry myself here. When I go over here, I maybe have to code switch and, and, and do things a little bit different, right. you know. But with your kid, yeah, you have to manage that that's still your kid, but he's also a member of a team right. with 10 or 12 other kids on that team. Right. But as far as other parents, I think the, the biggest thing that, that I had to deal with was probably explaining to a parent why their kid only played this amount of minutes. Right. Or it, I think sometimes, again, as I said earlier, that's one of the hardest things is to watch a kid get coached because everybody wants their kid, their children to be successful. I get that. I'm right, a parent. Right. And who doesn't want their kid to be successful? Sure. But it was something that Coach Mitchell told me about, and he said this probably when you were there too, and it, it kind of crystallizes everything. And he said, when parents are sometimes can be unreasonable, not all parents were unreasonable, Harvey. Right. I had some great relationships with parents. Even to this day, I still have relationships with kids that I coached right. years ago. Right. But Coach Mitchell used to always say, this is kind of the way things are. It's, it's like the parent that goes to the football game on Friday night, right? right? right. And she's up in the stands, and the marching band comes out at halftime. Mm -hmm. And the parent goes, oh, look, everybody's out of step except little Johnny. <laughs> Do you see my analogy? Right, right. And that's sometimes what parents are like when you're coaching their kids. Right because every parent wants their kid to be special. Right, right. And so 
I think that's just one of the things that as a coach and as a, as a parent that I had to kind of balance. It was, a, it was an equilibrium. Right. You know, it was tough sometimes. I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't, it was all easy because there were times when I had to get on my kid in practice and, you know, he wouldn't ride home with me some nights. Right. He would right. call his mother, right. you know, and, but, you know, and then we had certain rules sometimes, you know, when, you know, mom would put in rules too. She would be like, well, we're not talking about basketball. Right. Right. We're at home now. For sure. And so I think that's that part of that equilibrium, that balance that I had to have. And I think sometimes the parents have to have too. And I think it goes back to being realistic. Like I said, when I started this, it helped that my son was a pretty good player. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Man, it, it really, this day and age, it kind of seems a little bit funny. And I don't know if this is a new thing or not, but it seems like back in the day, the best players uh, that played, like a Jason Gardner, they was always, it seemed, not always, but it seemed like, they were pretty happy about stuff. I got a lot of uh, uh, friends that are coaches now that the best players seem to be the problem almost. It mm -hmm. almost seemed like, you know, like the parents are more of a problem mm -hmm. having, and, and, you know, everything's at their, at their discretion. You know, mm -hmm. they get the ball when they want. They're averaging a certain amount of points. But then they, that following year, they go and they transfer. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think that is? You think it's more or less, um, you know, uh, parents wanting full control because their kids are really good or, um, you know, maybe the kid wanting, wanting to have um, special treatment. I mean, what, do, what are your thoughts on that? And, and do you, do some of the coaches that are friends of yours, do they tell you stories like this? Yeah, I, I think it's, some of the stories are legendary, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, and, and not to make light of parents, but like I said, I'm a parent too, and I'm, and I'm realistic about it. Right. But, you know, to kind of go back and, 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 and just reflect on what you just said, I think now, see, when I started playing, there was no social media. Hmm. There was no Twitter. Yes, sir. There was no cell phone. I can remember my grandmother used to always give us a, a dime and say, now, if, if something happens, you need to go into a phone booth and, and you tell kids uh, what a, ask them what a phone booth is. And they're looking at you like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. You know, right. everybody has a cell phone. But even then, going back to that, I think that it, it, it goes back to just being realistic about your kids. Right. And I think that sometimes when you look at this generation, this millennial generation, they, they've been inundated. And, and, and you and I were just having a conversation. I know I'm kind of bouncing around here a little bit. We were talking about bicycles, riding bicycles. Right. Harvey, I don't ride my bicycle as much today because I'm afraid to – get out on the streets because everybody is on their cell phone right, driving cars. Right, good point. Right. And so I don't want to put myself in, in harm's way right. when people are distracted. Right. So, but going back to the, to, the, to the technological piece of it, I think that's a big part of it. And sometimes people don't want to admit it, but it is because kids now, they can go and watch themselves play. They can go watch their friends play. Right. They can, and I think there's some value to it because right. I think that's why the basketball level of play has risen because kids now can see what it takes to work out. Right. They can see what a, a high-level player uh, does to prepare. Right. That preparation right. and having those resources, I think that's a great value. But I think on the other side of it, it can put a kid in an awkward position because now they're thinking that, hey, I might just be a little bit better than what I think I really am. Right. Right. And so that's realistic. where the downfall is. Right. Because it's like I said about Bonzi Wells saying, you know, if you're not working on your game mm -hmm. and you go play against a high level player, 
you're getting ready to get exposed. Right. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. Right. And then you're going to come back to reality. Right. You know, there's going to be a reality check. So I think that sometimes now, not all the time, there's still kids out here that are doing the right things. They're taking care of their bodies. They're taking care of the academic piece. They're just being good people. That's the other part of it, too. At the end right. of the day, as I would say sometimes, you know, no no coach wants to be around a kid that's going to be, you know, acting like a horse is behind. Yeah. yeah. That's not going to win you any any favors among coaches. Right. You know, and it's right. not going to help you to get employed anywhere either at right. the end of the day. Right. You know, so I think that, you know, realistically, uh, kids now sometimes can have a, a I, I guess it's a warped view on their abilities. Right. Because if they think they can go and make one YouTube movie of them making shots and nobody's guarding them. Right. And then they think that that's going to get them recruited. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. So I think that there, again, there has to be a balance. And, and, and I think that there has to be that equilibrium and, 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 and reality has to kick in. Right. And that's where parents have to step in and say, no, I'm not going to coddle my kid, you know, and, and make them think that there's something that they're not. Right. Because again, when reality hits, it's it's reality. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, those are true words spoken from uh, from uh, big time high school coach. Uh, coach Smotherman has been a part of the game for years. Uh, like I said, one of one of my favorite mentors. I mean, uh, you know, without him, a lot of things wouldn't have been done. You know, even this show. You know, I don't think I would have had the thought process to do that, or even the nerve to do it. But. Um, we appreciate you coming on today. Appreciate it, Harvey. Um, like I said, we 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 always we always want to want to try to find a way um, to help our kids for the future. I mean, sports is just a small part of this. So, parents, you know, as best as you can, um, let your kid let your kid go through whatever they need to go through. Let your kid be accountable um, because we want to build great adults. We want. We, as, as coaches, find a coach that is invested in your child, kind of like how Coach Smotherman was for me. Um, some, some coach that's going to be a lifetime friend is always going to help your kid um, to always be realistic about themselves and about their ability. Thank you for listening today. Um, I definitely want you guys to go out and check out our sponsors, uh, Biosound Therapy. Uh, they're right over there um, in the Castleton area. Um, not too far from uh, 86th and Hague Road. Um, uh, Replay Hemp, um, definitely uh, one of the uh, better CBD companies coming out by my brother Al Harrington, uh, Rita's Ice, uh, and Team Awake. Uh, also, we do basketball training at Hancock Wellness. Uh, if you are in the area, Castleton, uh, Pendleton, um, uh, Fort, Fortville, uh, Fishers, Noblesville, um, different parts of Indianapolis. If you do and, and you are looking for some real live basketball training, you can also go on uh, Facebook on um, uh, Dream Chasers Basketball Indy. Uh, we also have a website, which is uh, dreamchasersbball.com. You can check our rates. You can check some videos online. Uh, definitely bring your kids out. Um, and like I said, if they want to, if they want an honest view on their game and they want to get better, uh, this is the place to be. Thank you guys for listening.